Paul's letter to the Galatians 6 11-18. Brethren, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it for me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Dash dash. The opening of this passage deserves just a small explanation. Years prior to the writing of Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, he was traveling to the city of Damascus as a Pharisee, seeking to arrest and eradicate the followers of Jesus Christ. On that particular trip, Jesus appeared to him and afflicted him with blindness. He was eventually healed but not completely. The way this passage opens suggests that his sight was still poor and that he needed to write an extra large lettering. Because of this handicap, he normally used a secretary to compose his letters. Following this statement about the authorship of this letter, Paul goes into a discussion on the nature and place of Mosaic law. With the fulfillment of the Old Covenant by Jesus' death and resurrection, the people of God were redefined as the Church, those baptized into the Church in the name of the Trinity. As the world had changed, the very definition of the people of God had changed. Even though the Apostles understood and taught that the Mosaic Law was no longer an authority over the people of God, there were still some who argued that the specifics of the Old Covenant still needed to be followed. Paul begins his response to this by addressing those who advocated for the necessity of physical circumcision. Their argument was relatively simple. If you are part of the people of God, you need to be circumcised, for circumcision has always been the marker for this inclusion. Paul exposes the mentality that underlies this argument. He argues that those who demand circumcision for the people of God are not doing so simply because they think it's right but because they want to have something to glory in. They want to have an aspect of control over others. Paul's response to them is simple as well. With the transition out of the Old Covenant and into the New Covenant, there is nothing to glory in other than the cross of Christ. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is now the foundation of truth and reality. There are no rules to follow as there was in the Mosaic Law. Prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, the people of God were obligated to follow the dietary laws, the cleanliness laws, and the sacrificial laws of the Old Covenant. But with the move into the New Covenant, all of that went away. There is no more Jew-slash-Gentile distinction, there are no food requirements, the cleanliness laws are gone, and the sacrificing of animals for the covering of sin is no longer needed. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that now defines reality for mankind. Sin has been cleansed, death has been overthrown and that which separated man from God has been removed. Paul addresses the question of circumcision because of those who were calling it a necessity. His argument is very pointed. He says that being circumcised is nothing and being uncircumcised is nothing. Neither way makes any difference. Obviously, in the first generation of the Church, there were many men who, as faithful Jews, had been circumcised and there were many Gentiles who had come to faith in Jesus Christ, who had not been circumcised. And Paul makes it very clear, it simply doesn't matter. As he says elsewhere, everything we do must be done on the basis of love. Every act, every thought, and every word must be with the love of God and the love of our neighbor in mind. Paul tells us elsewhere that if his eating of meat causes someone else to sin, then he will never again eat meat. He says this not because eating meat is sinful but because doing something that causes someone else to sin is sinful. 
In another passage, Paul says that he will become all things to all men, in order to save them. As followers of Jesus Christ and as part of His Church, everything we do and say must be framed by love. It is our acts of love and self-sacrifice that will be the example that reveals the love of God to fallen mankind. Paul finishes his thought with these words, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. This is his way of saying that circumcision was an act of obedience in the Old Covenant, but that old way of living has passed away. We are now part of a new creation. No longer is mankind under the headship of the first, fallen Adam but with baptism, man moves out of that relationship and into the new creation with Jesus Christ as the second Adam, the king over all creation. Paul makes an interesting connection. He calls down peace and mercy upon all who walk by this rule. So all of those who have embraced Jesus Christ as the Messiah are the Israel of God. This phrase is a summary of what Paul has just finished stating makes the point that no longer are the twelve tribes of Israel the people of God, but instead, those who are baptized into church. The people of God are the followers of Jesus Christ and to say it the other way, the followers of Jesus Christ are the people of God. To argue that those of the twelve tribes of Israel are still the people of God is a contradiction in itself. From the moment of the Incarnation, the Church has acknowledged that the God of Israel is one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To reject that claim, as the ethnic Jews do, is to serve another God. This is why Islam is not believed to be serving the same God, nor the other religious groups who claim to be Christians yet deny the Trinity. The people of God are those who worship the one God in three persons and have been baptized into His Church.